15 million kids growing up in poverty, half of them will not graduate from high school, and the half who do will have an eighth grade skill level. This is a crisis. My name is Ryan Growney. I'm 16 years old, and I'm a high school student. I'm Thomas Growney, Ryan's twin brother. I'm Chris Growney. I'm a retired tech executive and investor. I'm Thomas and Ryan's dad. The two brothers and their dad are looking for ways to disrupt the old models of youth service. Service should be engaging. We've got the drive. We've got the resources. We've got the capital. We have the passion. We have to take our inspiration and turn it into real actionable progress. And we want to change the world. Welcome to Service Academy. When we left the guys, they were looking to create more desirable service offerings and expand awareness about Service Academy. Their main idea for that second part was to commandeer one session of Mission SG, their school's program that helps students find ways to meet their community service requirements. The people who can make that happen are the school's chaplain, Reverend Kirby, and the school's second-in-command, Mr. Osborne. First of all, I think we can't really talk about a team if we don't talk about Reverend Kirby. She's in charge, partially, of the St. George's service. Think about what role you want to play in building up our community. What matters is that you share the same values and are bound together by a common purpose. She's been really, really receptive to all our ideas and really kept us in the loop about what's happening with service outside of SE at SG and Service Academy. I mean, yeah, she's just been awesome overall. Hold up a mirror to our own community to take stock of where we have lived up to our ideals, where we have failed, and how we can do better. Yeah, Mr. Osborne is second in command for St. George, so he's not the head of school, but he's uh, number two. I've been a teacher and an administrator and an admissions officer and a coach for going on 20 years now. He obviously has a lot of sway in the school, and, I mean, he's a really great guy. You need to be able to, to work with the smartest kids, the hardest working kids, and you need to be able to inspire the kids that don't yet know how to be the hardest working kid. If everything goes well with our meeting with Reverend Kirby and Mr. Osborne, we should be getting our first two official service academy advisors. So we're mm -hmm. kind of really helping solidify our network and hopefully be able to use their connections and their kind of power within the school and elsewhere to really go out and start doing more service. Each episode of the Service Academy podcast features leaders in social entrepreneurship. Today's feature is Wendy Kopp, the founder of Teach for America, a nonprofit that enlists the nation's most promising leaders to teach for two years in public schools in underserved communities. Students, teachers, activists, brothers and sisters, we are here today because we are tired and we are saying enough is enough. Educational inequality still plagues the United States. Children living in poverty continue to suffer. The kids should go to school and get an education wherever they live. Where kids are born still determines their educational prospects and in turn life prospects. It's a massive problem. For America's poorest public school districts, hiring good teachers can be a difficult task which is where a program called Teach for America comes in. Teach for America is getting kudos everywhere for the incredible job it's doing in recruiting the best and the brightest of young people to come in and give part of their lives to teach in inner city schools. I'm Wendy Kopp, the founder and CEO of Teach for America. Teach for America recruits top recent college grads, young professionals, people we believe are the U.S.'s most promising future leaders, um, and ask them to commit two years to teach in high need urban and rural communities. When she was a senior at Princeton in 1989, she wrote a senior thesis uh, calling for a teacher corps. The more I researched, 
the more obsessed I became. And at the end of it all, I produced a 177-page thesis making the case for creating a national teacher corps with a foreword about how I'd become determined to make it happen. Part of what inspired um, her thesis was that education was kind of a hot topic at the time. There were companies that were openly saying we will fund education reform. What I really want to touch on is the sheer level of planning that she put in place for this. So her senior thesis ended up being 177 pages long with a four page forward explaining how she's going to raise the money to get this off its feet. There, there's a very famous story, I guess in 1960, that uh, John F. Kennedy gets off the plane at 2 a.m. in the morning in University of Michigan, and there's like, thousands of people there. And he gets up and he's tired and sleepy, and he's like, hey, I just wanted to come out and talk to you a little bit about this. And he said, we've been thinking about putting together a core. The government will pay you and commit to two years, and you go overseas and be able to talk about life and democracy over there. And so the idea sort of came from there. And I think that was the original model that Wendy looked at, was this idea of we want to be able to take two years for our smartest and most ambitious people and have them give back in their community and gain the leadership that comes from that. That's the specific reference to, I think, the core and the model that she had looked at. There was a tremendous need in school districts, um, which were experiencing significant teacher shortages. And, you know, my senior spring, there was a front page article in Fortune magazine saying that corporate America was going to take on education reform. So there were so many elements that made the timing for this perfect. So what her next step was, she created a network, whether it was through college, through finding some investors, even though she didn't really raise the money in the beginning. She built a network of supporters. I organized a conference about it that brought together college students with leaders from across the country to think about what can we do to improve our education system. The way, the way I understand her story, everyone she talked to about this was like, this is a great idea, but why would Princeton students want to go and teach in these low-income communities? Living off a seed grant, I was going to spend my summer trying to work my way into the offices of educators, potential donors, and anyone else who could help get Teach for America off the ground. I was obsessed with this idea. You know, we take all these folks who are going to be our nation's future leaders, and we have their first two years out of college be working on Wall Street. What if their first two years was teaching in urban and rural communities. What if every senator, what if every leading lawyer, what if every corporate CEO in this country had spent even just two years teaching in a low-income community? Uh, imagine how differently we would think about, act on, invest on, and, and really legislate on this issue. In the world that she lived in, which was in Princeton, every investment bank, finance organization, would recruit the most talented people and offer them a two-year sort of leadership and learning opportunity. And she said, it's not fair that these financial organizations have the capital to recruit the best and brightest and take their most idealistic and, and passionate first couple of years. So why don't we make that available to go teach in these urban environments? I was convinced that this both had to happen and could happen, that it had to start on a significant scale right from the start. And really no one was gonna talk me out of this. Like people would tell me how crazy this was and I would just, not really hear it. Many people believed it would never work, but it has now grown into the foremost force for education reform in the country. There's the idea of, do we have kids that are in Ivy League that want to go do this, mm -hmm. right? Are there school systems like the LA school system that would hire these people that have a degree in philosophy, for example, from or in public policy from Princeton? 
go through an eight-week training program, and then are put inside a classroom. Mm -hmm. But obviously her magic is she was able to do all of that and get the funding to run it at the same time. The first year alone, corporations and foundations donated two and a half million dollars to make it possible. And there was tremendous support in the education community as well. So yeah, you mentioned the LA school district. She talked to, uh, I think it was the superintendent of the LA school district. And then he was like, if you can get 500 Ivy League students to come do this, I would take all 500 of them. There was a definitive goal. Yeah, to prove kind of um, the skepticism wrong that the princesses wouldn't want to do it. She had like this kind of core group of 10 or so people. They paired up. They went out to college campuses and they just put flyers under doors. They got all 500 of their applicants. She kind of was able to prove everyone wrong that there, there was actually this kind of want to help out and to teach in these underprivileged school systems. Listen, she created a leadership development pipeline that had never been done before. They realized that this Teach for America system really, really helped. The graduation rates went up, the standardized testing scores went up, and overall just the kids were doing better. It's like a wake-up call. It's like, wait, this is actually working. While Teach for America made headlines from the start, it also had its critics. Public education, after all, has a lot of variables, and public policy tends to move slowly. So it's really hard to measure the impact of a single group of teachers. Unless something enormous and often tragic forces a school system to make a drastic change all at once. When Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans, entire neighborhoods vanished under 20 feet of water. The devastation ranks as one of America's worst natural disasters. The best thing that happened to the education system in New Orleans was Hurricane Katrina. That education system was a disaster, and it took Hurricane Katrina to wake up the community to say that we have to do better. And the progress that they've made in four years since the hurricane is unbelievable. Those children are being desperately underserved prior, and the amount of progress and the amount of reform we've seen in a short amount of time has been absolutely amazing. Even before Katrina, the New Orleans school system wasn't doing too well. The graduation rate wasn't high and kids were underperforming. And so the school system was kind of in this constant state of flux with new teachers coming in and old teachers being fired and there was superintendents changing. And then on top of that, boom, Katrina hits. So utter chaos. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. It, it's, a, it's a pretty bad situation. And so the New Orleans government takes it as an opportunity to really change up the way they've been doing their public school education. So they fire a lot of the teachers and administration staff, and then they really put it into the hands of these charter schools. Many of these charter schools are actually recruiting mainly, if not solely, from Teach for America. New Orleans kind of became this laboratory for what if progressive education just completely took over. Afterwards, it was kind of turning point for Teach for America and for just public education systems in general. Part of Teach for America's appeal has been a chance for recent graduates to serve others. But many college seniors also see it as an elite credential for the next step in their careers. It's almost as hard to get into Harvard as it is to get into uh, Teach for America. There are more than 35,000 candidates for approximately 4,000 positions. It made it cool yeah. to be a teacher. It made it cool to give back. And for the smartest people, it really sort of elevated the social value of teaching. Teach for America shows one clear path forward. By focusing on a small number of quality volunteers, they're able to build the capacity for service and create a pipeline for meaningful change nationwide. 
both in the communities being served and in the mindset of the next generation of decision makers. This particular idea was one that just very quickly magnetized just thousands of people really from grassroots recruitment campaign, which at the time was flyers under doors. You know, people in corporate America talk about a talent mindset, sure. meaning they're obsessed with recruiting the best people and, and selecting the best and talent. putting them on a track. To developing be, to, them to over be, time. Right. We'll never get where we need to be without doing the same thing in our school systems. What Teach for America is really looking for in its candidates is just consistent, proven success. They want initiative. They want, they want drive. They want you to try as hard as you can. Teach for America's initial goal was to get a future leader in the world. That's exactly what we're trying to do with Service Academy. We do recruit most aggressively at the most competitive colleges in the country. We've developed a predictive selection model. People who have track records of achievement across academics, extracurriculars, or work experience are more likely to be successful. So we've developed all sorts of different screens that try to identify those folks. The big idea is really to generate a growing force of leaders to affect the you know, fundamental kind of systemic changes necessary to ultimately ensure that all kids in our country fulfill their true potential. So I think that there's two main ways to Teach for America kind of measures their success, like standardized testing, grades, satisfaction of the students. What they're also doing is they're measuring how many Teach for America alumni continue doing social innovation yeah. project afterwards. Today, 9,000 Teach for America Corps members are teaching across 43 urban and rural regions across the country, while thousands of alumni work alongside them from inside and outside of schools to champion fundamental change. Fun fact, St. George's own Mervyn Osborne is a TFA alumni. He was actually a member of Teach for America's founding corps in Compton, California. Once education started to reform and then they were able to get these kids into school, there would no longer be this cycle of just kids not being able to rise up socially or economically. And so education reform was an out for that. Beyond getting clean water and clean air and, and shelter, which is not true for a lot of people, education is the difference between whether they're a contributing member of society and in what level and really made a lot of their life satisfaction. So the fact that she focused on that point and uniquely in the places where it was needed most with the best assets, like that's the kind of magic of what she was talking about. Education is the foundation of society as a whole. I'm studying this in history class right now. Around 1850, 1860 in America, there was an education boom because people started moving towards urban areas and there was more widespread public education and how that improved the quality of life exponentially. It opened up so many opportunities for so many different people. Education inequality happens at the local level in all countries. Even in developed countries, the quality of schooling can differ greatly whether rich or poor. There was something in the water. I started hearing from social entrepreneurs from India to Lebanon to Chile to the next place who were just absolutely determined to bring this model as a long-term force for change. That's how Teach for All came about. Teach for All is a global network of 61 independent, locally-led and funded partner organizations, all with a collective mission to expand educational opportunity using Teach for America's proven method and adapting it to local circumstances. Today, Teach for All's network of partner organizations is inspiring thousands of promising leaders across more than 60 countries from Afghanistan to Ukraine 
to channel their energy towards ensuring that all children in their countries fulfill their potential. I think there were a number of things that enabled us to scale. We had this process of developing these three to four to five year plans where we would step back and say, okay, where do we want to be? What capacity do we need to get there? And then we would go out and work to build the team that we needed at the end of that plan and raise enough funding at the front end to enable us to make upfront investments to get there. And that process served us well over and over and over again. We can solve the problem of educational inequity. We can realize the vision that unites everyone at Teach for America, the vision that one day all children will have the opportunity to attain an excellent education. The only question is whether enough of our nation's most promising future leaders will step up and lead us to this day. What we've learned from Teach for America is that is like the importance of filtering your applicants. The people that actually go out and do this, like each individual person and who they are makes a big difference in in the entire program and what people think of the program and where the program goes forward. Yeah, and, and measure the outcomes. Hey, someone did a three-week service project, you know, whether it's quantitative, did you get the mentoring you needed? Did you acquire the skills you wanted? Did you have those experiences? What was your take? She built the team for the goal. Everything about her is just planning, planning, planning. And that's also something we can take from her. We have our little network of the first 10 people that will help us. We'll know we're doing something if there's more people coming to us. The more people that you help, the better you're doing. Man, we have a lot of kids that are smart, capable, have time and passion and interest, and we have not given them a pathway to give back to their communities in a way that they can realize their goals. Check out our show notes for more about Teach for America and Teach for All. And please share this episode with anyone you know who might be interested in service and helping their community. This week, the Grownies are thinking about how to build processes that enable scaling. If you have any thoughts on that, they'd love to hear from you. Reach out to them at serviceacademy.org.